On today's podcast, we are celebrating Pride Month, and we have with us today our very own, very proud Mark Barda, who will give us a guided look into the queer mosphere. By the end of this special episode, we are hopeful you will feel more educated about what the LGBTQIA community faces daily, both the good and the bad, and grow your respect for the people who have fought so hard and continue to fight to inspire change. Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Hi. Hello, all. How are we? Don't talk into the coffee cup. That makes some weird. Oh, so sorry. Audio. Mark was talking whilst drinking out of the coffee mug. It's true. That's I his use breakfast. The same, yeah, I use the same coffee mug here at Hightower Ref Law every day. The, the same, same one? The same. Oh. This black one. It's beautiful. Uh, it's larger than some of the other cups. I feel. Does the coffee taste better? No. <laughs> it just hits better in this cup for some reason. I think I just like the shape of the cup. Yeah. So, Mark, you're one of our paralegals. I am one of your paralegals. You got to join us by coming down the hall today. I did. I did. Yes. So I have been here since, gosh, has it been almost three months now? I think it has been three months. Don't ask Tracy and I to do math. (laughs) My PTO kicked in, so it's been three months. Yes. Yay. So, yes, I um, was at a law firm before this, and before that I was a district court bailiff for Gary B. Randall. Also a past guest of our podcast. Mm -hmm. Great guy. Great guy. Are you from Omaha, Mark? Um, I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. I was born in Florida, and then my mom moved us uh, to the Midwest when I was about six months old, and then ended up in Omaha when I was about a year. And yeah, so I grew up here, and happy to have grown up in Omaha. I think it was a great place to grow up. But you've also lived in way cooler places. I have. So, like... Uh, coming out for me was very interesting. Um, it was not well accepted in my world at that moment. So my only opportunity was to run from everyone that I knew. Uh, so I decided but to... But not really physically. Not physically run, but on a plane. <laughs> um, that sounds better. I yeah. mean, like, yeah. I just didn't picture you as a runner. Not unless I'm being chased. Yeah. Then I'll run. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, like, when I graduated high school, I thought, okay, what's the farthest away I can get? And so my decision was California. So I moved out to California for a year. And then I hated the people of California. And then I decided I was auditioning for a school in New York and got into that school and then spent two years in the school and then four years performing professionally around the nation. Um, The last show I did, I met a Brazilian man. We fell in love. I ended up moving to Brazil for 11 years and teaching English and moved back to the States in 2015. You said you were performing. What I know were you what. Performing? Yeah. Um, I, my background is actually in musical theater, so I've done a bunch of different shows. What was your favorite show you've um, ever done? Probably my favorite show I've ever done was Little Shop of Horrors. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. Our high school just did that and went to it. It's this a year. fun show. Yeah. Yeah. What was your role? I was Seymour. <sighs> So, yeah. Seymour. Yes. Or I was Joseph in Joseph in the Amazing Technical or Dreamcoat, which was really fun. You I played did. a biblical character. I did. 
And I also did a couple of national tours with the Omaha Community Playhouse with their Christmas Carol. (gasps) So I got to do that. What would you play? Who did you? I was Peter Cratchit. And I was also my first national tour. I was the dancing doll. So how how come you're not performing anymore? Um, Being a performer is very interesting because it's like either you are married to that lifestyle and you're traveling all the all the time or you're ending up in New York and auditioning and waiting tables and then back on the road and blah, 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 blah. Or you have a normal life where you can have a relationship and like have friendships that you actually can see these people on (laughs) a consistent basis. So I just kind of decided when I fell in love that I don't want to do this with my life anymore. I want relationships. I want a normal life. um, And I don't want to have to worry about how I'm going to pay my bills. So what was your favorite part about living in Brazil? Um, 100% the people and the weather. Um, Brazilians are some of the most beautiful, welcoming, friendly, kind-hearted. We'll love you every time you go over there. You're eating something like they're feeding you. Um, <laughs> what are they feeding you? I'm picturing feeding like grapes, you meat on swords. <laughs> well, oh. that's what we know. You know, it's Brazilian steakhouses. Steakhouse. It's yeah. very interesting and eclectic because um, Brazil is a very big multicultural nation. So you've got a big influx of like Arabian and Japanese and Italian, and so like you go to what we call buffets, and you can sit down and you can get lasagna you can get chinese food you can get whatever and it's all amazing and cheap it's all done by the kilo so like whatever you put on your plate you put on the scale you pay that price i would eat there every single so it's better than the cracker barrel Oh my God! So much better than that. Wait, that's not a buffet. Oh, uh, uh, the Golden, Golden Corral. Golden Corral. Thank you. All right, so it I beats go, the Golden. I would go back to the Golden Corral. I think we should go to a firm lunch at the Golden Corral once. Oh, we're we really shifted. Yes. Okay. <laughs> People watching. Uh, at oh. The Golden Corral. <laughs> I think mac and cheese is okay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ice cream machine. With the sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Susan wants to put gummy bears in her ice cream though all the time. I did that. They're, what? When I was a kid. It gets, then they get hard. They get hard. But it's still the, worth it. Uh, I don't mind if they're hard. I, <laughs> so uh, Dairy Queen has a new blizzard that has gummy worms in it. Um, is it the mud one? Yep. I ate that one. Oreo mud pie or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We Jonathan got it last night. Okay. So one of the one of the things that you've done, Mark, is um, transition. Your well, no, I mean we want to talk about your sure. your project, your baby called the Queermosphere. Right? Did you come up with that term? Um, ta- I like to believe I did. Um, yeah, because let's go with it. If you Google it, you'll see that it it was mentioned in 2005 in some random article um but then if you google queermosphere now every single thing that comes up is me um so all of my social media is queermosphere um so i'd like to say that i've coined the phrase the first one that comes up is uh your queermosphere face- facebook page and google also says did you mean thermosphere and we didn't what's thermosphere i don't know What's queermosphere? Okay, so <laughs> I felt like I wasn't doing anything for the queer community. So, and not only that, nor 
did I feel like I knew or was educated enough about my own community. So I decided to create this <laughs> vlog project and it started out um, as LGBTQ underscore today. And what I would do is I would record a video every single day and basically um, what happened that day in terms of queer history or like queer legislation, if it was an important queer person's birthday, if they died that day. And I would do um, like a visual so that you could like read what the, the histor historical portion was for that day. And then I would accompany that with a video, which would basically give more information about that specific person or legislation or whatever and I ended up doing that for 365 days wow yeah and it was really great because I really just kind of wanted to educate myself on the queer community and all that we've had to offer and everything that we've struggled through and I was like can I actually find something that happened every single day are there enough queer things out there and there were multiple things on every day wow. that I could talk about sometimes three or four things that happened that day um so I did that for a year and then I decided that I didn't want to I got lazy and decided I didn't want to record a video every single day so I decided I was going to shift um my platform and I changed the name to Queermosphere and what I do now is on Sundays um I utilize a online article called lgbtqnation.com and I get um, emails throughout the week like probably every other day of articles queer related articles so Sunday morning Morning, I'll get up in the morning, I'll pick out three articles that I feel are interesting, um, important, um, odd, things that make me mad. And what I'll do is just basically record a recap of those articles and kind of give my opinion. And then I post them on Sunday mornings. And I basically say it's the Queermosphere, your weekly insight into anything queer. And we go from there. So where can people find Queermosphere? So if you Google Queermosphere, obviously I'm going to pop up. So Queermosphere on Facebook, TikTok, um, Instagram, and YouTube. And then at some point, hopefully, I start a Queermosphere website. But I think I have to buy the .com from somebody. Somebody um, already has it? Yeah. Mm. But I'm sure it's like, it wouldn't be that hard. You throw them 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Give me so, your dot com. Yeah. Give me your dot com. But it's been really fun. And, and, you know, it's something that I get to do personally. I get to make sure that I'm informed of what my community is going through on a weekly basis. So it keeps me accountable um, and, can, and helps me to be a good queer person, in my opinion. I try to be a decent human queer what what kind of feedback do you get from folks? Um, well, here's the thing. Like, I don't really try to promote it so much. <laughs> except so, for now. Except now. <laughs> um, so we're plugging it now. So please go and follow <laughs> so I can get more feedback. Um, a lot of it is positive. Um, I'm very outspoken. So there, there are a lot of times where people will try to tone police me uh, and tell me that I should have probably phrased something in a different way or you don't have to be angry about it, or I don't like your attitude, to which I respond, then don't follow me. Go or, do your own queermosphere. Yeah, start your own platform. This is my space, you know. So you get kind of that, but a lot of it is, you know, supportive. Um, you would be surprised how quiet people can be. What does that mean? It's what do like, you 
you you post something that you feel like this is really important and then like nobody comments oh. and you're like oh so i don't know if i've really gotten the hang of social media and how to do it and i know I if you spend 30 dollars to promote it it works people but. are watching though yeah people watch yeah. it it's just i don't know if they like to put themselves out there in a comment or to share or something like that because like I would say I'm not for everybody. But I think your content is really important, though, as a piece for awareness, right? And a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast are bringing awareness to different topics. Mm -hmm. So keep doing what you're doing in the sense that if someone's listening, they're learning something. Right. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is is like, for instance, I just did my, my last video was about, um, uh, I think it was a congressman who wanted to put you know those warnings we get on TV where it's like mature audiences yeah. only. Well, now if any queer individual is going to be displayed in a TV show, this congressman wanted one of those warnings. Stop it. Yes. To say what? That your children are going to be exposed to queer issues in this episode, so viewer discretion is advised. So, like, specific things like that, that would be an article that I would say, oh, no way. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely not 100% against this. And people need to know that this is happening because this is absurd. So on your mm -hmm. Queermosphere, you talk about queer change makers. So who are some of your favorites? Um, well, one of my favorites is definitely Alan Turing. Um, Alan Turing was um, a mathematician back in World War II. He was a code breaker. Um, he is also kind of the father of our um, CPUs, like the computers that we use in, in our households. Um, he effectively was one of the people that ended World War II through his code breaking and um, he was not taken care of after that. Um, he was persecuted for being homosexual by the United Kingdom. Uh, they forced a castration on him and due to all of those things he ended up taking his life years after. Um, of course as many countries do they issued a pardon back in 2013 uh, basically apologizing for the atrocities that they'd done uh, to Mr. Turing but um, there are a lot of great individuals throughout history that have done great things, but the only thing we don't know about them is their sexuality because it's so taboo. So if we can just tag in that they also happen to be a queer person for queer people. That is so important because then we are recognized. And as a young person, you can say, oh, wow, I see my, my I see myself in that person and I can do great things. And, and there's a movie about him. Yes. And that I just found out about and I can't wait to watch called The Imitation Game. It is an amazing movie. It's a tearjerker. It goes through the beginning of how they they, they start this process and, and how difficult it was to build this computer and then this code-breaking machine and then kind of follows his life afterwards. And it's, it's really sad. Mm -hmm. So as you're describing him, um, my brain went to... I bet he would be really good in escape rooms. For sure. <laughs> and I'm like, I already like this guy. <laughs> code breakers. That's what I feel like when I do an escape yeah. room is I'm breaking codes. Yeah. But I'm not a mathematician, so. Well, and you know, it's just really sad because like, we don't learn about queer history in school. So like not a lot of people know about these individuals, but they've done great things and that they should be, um, taught about and and so much of who they were as people is 
is being queer. So um, I think that needs to be part of the conversation as well. Anyone else besides Alan Turing that you want to talk about? Um, well, like Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer was one of the biggest AIDS activists uh, during the AIDS um, epidemic. He started the Gay Men's Health Crisis and ACT UP. So if you know those um, black t-shirts with the triangle that says silence equals death, um, mm -hmm. Larry Kramer was responsible for that. Um, he... Uh, organized a bunch of die-ins where uh, a bunch of queer folk would go into Catholic churches and just stand up and then throw themselves on the ground to represent all of the the people who had died uh, because of AIDS. Um, so, yeah, Larry Kramer, Gilbert or Gilbert Baker, who uh, created the Pride flag, is also mm. um, pretty iconic. When did the well. Pride flag come around? Um, Do we you know, know what? I don't know that for sure. Okay. We should look that up. I want to say it, it would have to be nineteen seventy-eight. Oh, according to Google's, that sounds about yeah. right. Nineteen seventy-eight. Gilbert Baker. Yep. Yep. Ooh. And then, I mean, do we know Roy Cohn? Mm -mm. Like the crazy McCarthy era attorney, like. No. Like prosecuted, Hello. like people for being communists, and and was totally like anti-LGBTQ. Oh, he and, was Senator like, Joseph McCarthy's chief counsel. Yes, and was horrible to the queer community during those decades, and happened to be a closeted homosexual, and I think even died of HIV/AIDS. So he's so, actually hated by the queer community. Roy coming. Speaking of the AIDS <clears throat> epidemic, and I'm the the reader. Susan is too. Mm -hmm. Susan's a big reader. I don't reader. read nonfiction though, usually. Well, this is not a nonfiction book, so great. Okay. <laughs> um, That's the difference, usually I would, though. Like, literally, one of my favorite all time books I've ever read is called The Great Believers. It is fiction about the AIDS um, epidemic in that time frame. And I think the author, Rebecca Mackay, did a really good job of getting the facts right mm -hmm. from what, you know, the other stuff that I've read. But. Mm -hmm plug for that book it's so amazing and if anyone wants a good fictional story about that time mm -hmm. it's amazing and if anybody wants some more like non-fictional um or if you're not a big reader there's also a movie but if you pick up and the band played on that book changed my life is that non-fiction it is non-fiction oh did you read that susan no but i've heard of it oh. you shook your head like you i was familiar it's oh, okay. so that much non-fiction that i couldn't finish the book because by the end of it it gets down into like the chemical breakdown of hiv and like the molecules and like all this i'm like very sciencey <laughs> but the first part of the book changed my life um it was the first book that i read after coming out of the closet because i kind of wanted to figure out like where did we come from? What did we go through? Like, what were our struggles? I felt mm. so, I feel like that's so important when you come out of the closet is to do a little bit of research of where the queer community has come, how hard we've had to fight. Because nowadays, you know, you have these 12, 13 year olds coming out of the closet, they have rights, they're on TV. You know, it's not as difficult as it once was, but you have to understand how difficult it was for the people who came before you to give you these rights and opportunities that you have today, so. Mark, on that note, mm -hmm. um, you are in a leadership organization called New Leaders Council, mm -hmm. uh, of which I'm an alum. Correct. And I love this organization. Um, part of the organization and the leadership um, 
what do we call it? The year that we're in it. The cohort? Yeah. Um, we put together a capstone, a mm -hmm. project. Do you want to talk about your project? Yeah, sure. Um, my capstone project kind of uh, warped a lot throughout the six-month um, institute. Uh, at first, I, I, I was gung-ho on starting my own nonprofit and just saying, it doesn't exist, so I'm going to do it, and blah, 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 blah. And then it, what's great about New Leaders Council is you get a lot of feedback from the people around you, and a lot of the feedback was like, well, if you don't have like a mathematical mind and you know are really rip-roaring and wanting to run a business, maybe you shouldn't start a nonprofit community or you know nonprofit company and maybe just get involved with one and see if you can implement some change. So my capstone project is working with queer youth, and it all revolves around coming out and coming out safely and authentically. Um, and providing these uh, young people with resources to do that. Um, I am planning on and have been working with Out Nebraska. I have found out that a um, LGBTQ plus community center is in the works here in Omaha. The closest community center we have is five hours away. Um, so my project is an ongoing project to work with Out Nebraska to see if I can work on getting some queer uh, youth development programs going into that new space when it gets up and running. That's so awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's really about having a space for these kids to congregate, to see themselves, in themselves, and people around them. Um, and young queer people need good adult queer mentors. Um, the queer community is, is a great community, but it can also be very damaging and dangerous. And when you're a queer young person, the first thing you, when you want, when you come out is you want to gravitate towards those types of people. But the people that you're gravitating towards just because you share an affinity that you're queer doesn't necessarily mean those are the best individuals that you should be hanging out with. Um, also, different types of family situations coming out isn't easy. Mm -hmm. So if we could provide resources uh, working with those types of youth and saying, stick it out, let's get you a scholarship to Colorado somewhere so we can get you out of this situation. And you know, so I just want to, I want to ensure that no one has the coming out experience that I had to go through and that they know that if they're not accepted at home, they can be accepted in this space and to keep coming to this space. That's amazing. I'm excited. Um, we're going to, I'm attending at least Yay. the capstone presentation. So I'm excited to, to hear about that. Um, so one thing that we want to talk about since it is pride month, um, Heartland pride is celebrating pride in July. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do it for like two months in, yeah. in Nebraska. Um, so the Heartland Pride, the parade is July 15th, and the festival is July 16th. So the parade is in the Old Market on July 15th, and the festival oh. is at CHI. Well, they're doing them on different days this year. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's the youth. Is it the youth parade that's on the 15th? Okay, so oh. the festival is on the 16th with the parade back-to-back -back usually. Okay. Um, so we will be at the festival, uh, last year we had such a fun booth and I'm sure we will do something just as fun this year. So come check out Hightower Ref Law. Um, we also, you know, as a firm support all things queer community. Um, we represent folks in same sex marriages, doing divorces, adoptions. We love doing all, all adoptions all day long. Um, 
name change from, we get a lot of referrals from the transgender clinic in Nebraska and Omaha. It's my favorite thing to do. Name changes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Name changes are such a, for transgender folks, it's such a little piece that makes such a huge difference. It's a big page to turn. Yeah. Yeah. To have the name that corresponds with the, the identity that you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously estate planning and immigration can have some implications too in the queer community. And we support all of that in our office. So one of the reasons I'm here, we love that you're here. Thank you for this podcast. Yeah, yeah for sure. Thank you for inviting me. I hope I had something. I, I hope I was queer enough. You are enough, Mark, of of all the things. And we're going to have you back on um, for another episode during Pride Month. And we're going to talk about the initialisms of the LGBTQIA+. And how that evolves. Yes. Okay, sounds great. See you later. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.